Hey, are you here? I mean, are you here? With me, your announcer? Okay, I see you nodding. Are you here with the host, Paul Leslie, also? Uh-huh. Seems like you would be, because, well, he's here, too. What about with all the other listeners of the Paul Leslie Hour? I mean, are we all here together? All right. Now that I'm certain you're all here, we're all here, allow me to announce this interview from our archives with Tom Bones Malone. Legendary name. Legendary guy. Oh, who is he? <laughs> Tom Bones Malone specializes in the trombone, but Tom also plays trumpet and tuba and tenor sax and baritone sax. Yeah, flutes, piccolo, and other instruments. He's multi-instrumentalist. He's amazing. He was a member of the CBS Orchestra on The Late Show with David Letterman from 1993 until the very last episode. Wow. As a recording artist, uh, Tom has released two solo albums, Standards of Living and Soul Bones. Tom Bones Malone is a member of the Blues Brothers Band. That's right. And he's played with the likes of Billy Joel, Gloria Estefan, Frank Zappa, Bette Midler, Ringo Starr, Paul Simon, Tony Bennett, and way, way, way too many other bands and artists to list here. Yep, Tom Bones Malone. He's a good one. Hey, let's start the show, but first, keep in mind that this show relies on the support of listeners like you. Yeah. You know, you can go to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support and give to yourself and to others the gift of stories. We thank you for listening and for being a patron of independent media and the spoken word. And with that, I say to us all, let's listen together. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our great pleasure to welcome the legendary, the one and only, Tom Bones Malone. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Paul. Who is the real Tom Malone? Uh, redneck kid from Mississippi. Just started wearing shoes a couple of years ago. <laughs> Born in Mississippi. So what was life like growing up? Well, I uh, started driving a tractor when I was 11 years old. I had my own um, rifle when I was 11 years old. Uh, I milked cows every morning and every night and uh, hauled hay, picked uh, corn, uh, worked hard in the fields. Uh, it was, uh, we grew everything that we ate except for coffee and rice. And what kind of music did you grow up listening to? Well, I started uh, listening to the radio, and it was mostly uh, blues, rhythm and blues, and New Orleans uh, rock and roll. And what was your first musical influence that inspired you to want to pick up the horn? When I was uh, about 13, I went to the record store, having very little money. I had saved up enough money to buy one record. And this is, believe it or not, uh, this is about 1960. 
in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, there was a record store where you could listen to the vinyl record before you bought it. The vinyl record uh, for you is a, a kind of a flat piece of um, black vinyl, about 12 inches in diameter. <laughs> you put on a turntable, and it, it plays music uh, similar to a CD. And uh, so I listened to this record by a trombone player named Irby Green, and it totally flipped me out. So I bought this record, took it home, and I literally learned how to play the trombone from listening to Irby Green play on this record, and I would just play along with him. So he was my teacher, whether he knew it or not. And I uh, played along with that record for about two years. So I have to credit Irby Green as being my trombone teacher. So what was it about the horn? What made you gravitate to it? What was it that you liked about it? I'm not sure um, what it was. Uh, I uh, I was in the sixth grade, and I used to listen to the marching band rehearse on the football field outside my classroom window. And I thought it would be cool to play in that band. So I went to one, – one day they made an announcement on the radio that anybody who's interested in playing in the band should come to the band hall on Thursday night. So I showed up at the band hall with my brother and my mother and father. And the guy from the local instrument store had a display of instruments, nice, new, shiny brass instruments and woodwinds and stuff. So somehow I was strangely drawn to the trombone. I picked it up, and I could already play a few notes on it. Uh, my father asked how much it was. The guy told him, and my father said, uh, can't afford it. We started walking out the door. Band director grabbed me and said, the school owns a tuba. Would you like to play that? And I said, yes. I started playing the tuba. Then uh, the following year, we got a new band director who was a trombone player. He knew I was interested in playing the trombone, so he loaned me his own horn one day. He says, take this home and learn how to play it. He showed me where the positions were. So I did. I took it home and learned how to play it. Well, tell us about your early days of playing with Brenda Lee. Well, I, I, uh, I also started playing uh, trumpet and saxophone. And I got a call one day when I was in college in Hattiesburg to play lead trumpet with Brenda Lee. I guess they didn't have anybody in Jackson that could hit the, the high D. So I hitchhiked up every night, and it was paid $16 a night. I never got a ride back until the sun came up. So I spent a lot of time thinking about the music business and the music career uh, between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. every morning that week. It was a great experience, though. The music was great. Brenda Lee had uh, her hit, I'm Sorry, was out, and her Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree uh, was a big hit at the time, and it was uh, in December. So uh, I thought I was on top of the world, and I didn't mind all the hardship. I didn't sleep much that week, but uh, I had a great time. And... uh, just got more into being a musician. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our interview with Tom Bones Malone. You've played so many styles of music. Could you ever pick a favorite genre? I just like music. To me, it's all sort of the same, whether it's jazz, rhythm and blues, rock and roll, Latin, Jewish music, whatever it is, uh, symphonic music. It's it's all sort of the same to me, and there are certain rhythmic differences and certain interpretation differences as far as from the viewpoint of a uh, instrumentalist. But uh, I like it all, and it doesn't matter what instrument I play. I just like to play. Well, speaking of liking it all, you've toured with acts as varied as Woody Herman, Doc Severinsen, and Frank Zappa. Which tour have you been on that was a favorite? Uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears Tour of Europe in 1973 was a big favorite of mine. 
and the five-week tour with the Blues Brothers in the United States with John and Danny in uh, uh, around uh, in the vicinity of May and June 1980 was a, a, a special tour as well. Also uh, playing with Billy Cobham's band. Uh, we did a, a European tour and we did a, a West Coast tour uh, where it was Billy Cobham and Weather Report. So those were uh, those were memorable tours. Weather also Report with band the band from Woodstock. Do you remember them, Paul? Yeah, I've heard their recordings. Uh, I, I played with them in the summer of 1976, and uh, in the fall of 76, we did the movie The Last Walls. Amazing stuff. What was it like working with Frank Zappa? Frank Zappa was an amazing guy, and I really miss him. He died very young, but he died at 52. But he, and during his uh, career, he put out 60 albums. Uh, he was a, a crazy guy when he hit the stage, but when he was off stage, he was like an organized businessman. He ran a very strict rehearsal, no fooling around. So uh, he was kind of like two different personalities. But he was also a very nice guy off stage too. Like if he went over to his house to hang out, he was very cordial and had a great sense of humor. And he was pretty much self-taught in his music. I wanted to talk a little bit about Gil Evans. What was he like and how did he mold your life? Gil Evans became my musical father. Um, I was in New York. I had this cheap apartment where I was crashing, and uh, a f friend of mine from North Texas State named Hannibal Marvin Peterson came up to town. He was playing with Rasan Roland Kirk, and he also started playing with Gil Evans. One night he had he was crashing on my floor at my apartment on Broadway. Uh, one night he had two gigs. Uh, the one with Rasan Roland Kirk was a paying gig. And the uh, other job with Gil Evans didn't pay anything. So he sent me in to play trumpet with Gil Evans. Uh, that night was Gil Evans' 60th birthday. I met uh, his son, Miles Evans, who was eight years old at the time. Uh, I also met several musicians who changed the rest of my life. Uh, a trombone player named Dave Bargeron, a trumpet player named Lou Soloff, um, David Sanborn, Howard Johnson, Herb Bushler, uh, Bruce Ditmus, uh, Billy Harper. These are all people that opened doors for me for the rest of my life. Now, you just listed several artists, and this is probably going to be a tough question. When I looked over at your bio and your resume, you, I couldn't even list all the artists you recorded and performed with. Is there any that have been especially thrilling? Well, I was especially thrilled to uh, play play live and record with James Brown. He was always a hero of mine. Also, little Stevie Wonder, when he was 16, he was uh, a big impression on me. He could play a bunch of different instruments, so I figured, well, why can't I? Also, uh, Ray Charles was a big inspiration to me. There's lots of other people, too. It just goes on and on. Uh, I, I can't really single anybody out as being a number one, but I'm also very fortunate to have played with um, these music visionaries. And you've also made recordings of your own songs, like the album Standards of Living. How did you pick out the songs for that? Well, that was shortly after Gil Evans died. I played with Gil Evans from uh, for the last 15 years of his life. He passed away at 75, and it's somewhat unexpected. Uh, I had many conversations with Gil about arranging, and I actually arranged songs that were on his albums where he got the arranging credit. And that, that to me, was the ultimate compliment, to say that my arrangement was done by Gil Evans. Anyway, I uh, wanted to play some jazz standards, 
with musicians who had played with Gil Evans, who were in his regular band, and I wanted to replicate uh, something of his voicing system. I came up with a, a, a Gil Evans voicing system, and I put that into use on the album Standards of Living. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with Tom Bones Malone. M- Mr. Malone, who is your favorite trombone player? Wow. That is a tough question. Uh, I'd have to start with Irby Green, who taught me how to play. I'm also very impressed by the late J.J. Johnson, Bill Watrous, Conrad Herwig, uh, a 28-year-old guy named Michael Dees up in New York. This guy is just amazing. Uh, and, uh, wow. And uh, Bill Reichenbach in Los Angeles. Uh, there's uh, Jim Pugh. There's an amazing number of great jazz trombone players up here. Robin Eubanks. Uh, wow. The list goes on and on. You mentioned earlier about the Blues Brothers. What was your experience like with the Blues Brothers? Uh, I started out from the very, very first meeting about the Blues Brothers. I was the arranger for the Saturday Night Live band in 1978. And I was called into a meeting with Danny and John. They came up with this concept of two guys who were orphans that played blues and lived in Chicago. And they were sort of uh, uh, ne'er-do-wells. They wore the same size suit, which was too big for one guy and too small for the other. They were just developing the character at the time of this meeting. So they wanted an arrangement of a song by James Cotton called Rocket 88. So I wrote out the arrangement. We rehearsed the band. And we we did the song for Lauren Michaels with the hopes of getting on Saturday Night Live that week. Well, we were not successful. We did not get on the show. The next week, John and Danny and I met again, and they were so hot on this idea of these two characters. So we, I wrote another arrangement of Hey Bartender. We did it for Lauren. Lauren said, frankly, I don't see anything funny about the Blues Brothers. So the following week, we did not make the show. The third week, after Read Through, Lauren said, the show is three minutes short. What are we going to do? He's tearing his hair out. John and Danny jumped on him and said, Lauren, the Blues Brothers. So we got on the show. The response from the audience was amazing. We got letters and cards and phone calls, which led to another performance of the Blues Brothers. Pretty soon we had a record deal with Atlantic Records. We formed a band that was separate from the Saturday Night Live band and went out to Los Angeles and did a live recording. The recording sold three million copies. And we got then Danny started writing a movie script and the next thing you know, we're doing a movie. And this is all from an idea that almost didn't get on the air in the first place, almost never got off the ground. So, and also I have to say that Danny and John were uh, very nice to keep all the musicians in the movie. In most Hollywood productions of this sort, uh, they would get the band to do the soundtrack and then get some actors to pretend to be the musicians. But Danny and John said, no, we're not doing this unless the band comes with us. So I have uh, Danny and John to thank for being in that movie, The Blues Brothers. John told me one day that he was going to make me the most famous trombone player since Jimmy Dorsey. And uh, as most of you know, Jimmy Dorsey was a saxophone player. <laughs> so I never had never had the heart to tell John that part of it, because I knew what he meant. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, he was a really a, a, a big-hearted guy, and if he decided you were his friend, you were his friend for life, and he was a faithful friend, and uh, I really miss the guy. What do you think about the album Briefcase Full of Blues? Uh, it's, a, it's a live album. 
was recorded at the Universal Amphitheater in Los Angeles. At the time, the Universal Amphitheater was an outdoor venue, and uh, there were there's a lot of edits in that album. There were nine nights of performance, and the producer Bob Tischler uh, incorporated at least three nights performance into each song. He would find the the best verse and the best best chorus and the best instrumental, the best intro, and he uh, after listening to all these things carefully. So there was a lot of post production as far as the editing of this album was concerned. But uh, I have to say that it's one of my favorite albums, and there are a lot of uh, hardcore blues brothers fans out there that agree with me. We're talking with Tom Bones Malone. How did you get hooked up with Paul Schaefer? Well, Paul Schaefer and I met. Uh, at Saturday Night Live when the show started in 1975. I was a member of the Saturday Night Live band from uh, the very beginning for the first 10 years. And I was also the music director from 81 to 85 for the last four years of that 10 years. Uh, so Paul was the piano player on the original show, and we met and we've been good friends ever since. Paul also, uh, Paul and I also became the arranging team if there was any comedy routine that needed some music, uh, uh, Paul and I would uh, rehearse with the actors and actresses and uh, make a tape, and then I would write an arrangement based on the format that we did in the rehearsal. So we've been actually an arranging team for quite a few years. Um, so Paul, um, later, later when I was a music director, I got a call from a lady named Liz Anderson, who was my unit manager at NBC. She filled out the union contract. She says, I have a new job. I said, congratulations, what is that? She says, I'm the associate producer of the David Letterman show. I said to her, what is what is that? She said, you've never seen it. It comes on real early in the morning, like 7 in the morning. But we're going to move the show to late, late night. And I understand, I know that you already have a job, Tom, but can you recommend somebody to lead a four-piece band and be a personality? Paul Schaefer had just returned from Los Angeles he was in a sitcom called A Year at the Top with Greg Avigan. So Paul was sort of, after the sh that show got canceled, he was sort of just right back in town with not much going on. So I gave her Paul Schaefer's phone number. Uh, two or three weeks later, I just happened to see them on the network feed rehearsing downstairs for this new David Letterman show with a great band with uh, Hiram Bullock, Will Lee, and Steve Jordan. Will Lee, as you may know, is still with The Letterman Show. And Steve Jordan was the original drummer with the Blues Brothers. So uh, Paul and I go way, way, way back. Uh, it was coincidental that Paul called me to join his band at CBS in 1993 when the show moved from NBC to CBS. And I never told Paul that story until after I was working here at CBS. Is there someone in the CBS orchestra you feel a closer friendship with? Well, uh, of course, Paul, because we go way, way back, and uh, Will Lee uh, and I were neighbors down in Greenwich Village for 20 years, and um, I have to say that uh, he and I are very close friends. We're also playing in a band called the Fab Foe for about 13 years now. It's a Beatles cover band based out of New York, but we've been playing all over the United States. It's uh, five guys, including Will Lee and Jimmy Vivino, that uh, sing and play the rhythm instruments. We also have a a four-piece horn section, and a uh, violin and a viol uh, excuse me, a violin and a cello that play with us that supplement the string synthesizer. So it's the only Beatles cover band that I know of that does the 
huge George Martin production songs like Penny Lane, Got to Get You Into My Life, uh, Yesterday, all, all the real uh, super-duper uh, arranged songs. The Beatles never performed those songs live because they could not. They didn't have the extra instruments. I keep waiting for you guys to come to Atlanta. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. Do you know any promoters? Uh, I might. Let, let me do some thinking on that. Let's hook it up. Who has been your favorite guest musician to play with on The Letterman Show? Wow. Well, there have been so many over the years, but I guess it comes back to, again, to Ray Charles and James Brown. But I also uh, enjoyed playing a song with Blues Traveler and um, um, Aerosmith. Oh, my God. Now the list goes on and on and on. It's really hard to uh, nail me down on some of these questions, Paul, but they are very intelligent questions, and I wish I had a, a really, really uh, exact one-word answer. If you could put it into words, what is it you like about music? Wow, everything. Uh, I, I like the rhythms and the harmony, and I like playing, and I like listening to it, uh, and uh, I just like everything about music. I have two final questions for our special guest, Tom Bones Malone. What is your all-time favorite meal? My all-time favorite meal? Yes, sir. Catfish. From Because you're a Mississippi guy. I think, yes, my redneck is showing. My last question for Mr. Tom Bones Malone. What would you like to say to all of our listeners? Uh, to all your listeners, I would like to say, keep listening to good music. Well spoken. Well, Mr. Malone, it's been great to connect with you. It's totally my pleasure, Paul. We've been trying to schedule this for quite a while, and uh, it's really a pleasure to talk with you. This common language that we use... Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.